maker movement is spreading and it's spreading in libraries as well as schools and pretty much everywhere in between. It's not just books anymore, it's absolutely about experiences, it's about playing, it's about learning something new and, uh, and I think that there's a real power behind that in terms of what we have the potential to do here. This is the Modern Domestique podcast, where each episode is dedicated to a different aspect of reviving home economics in a fun, modern, and practical way. I'm Stacey Keating, and in this episode, I'm interviewing Adam and Janet of the Building 61 Makerspace, which is located at the main branch of the public library here in Boulder, Colorado. If you haven't heard of a makerspace before, it's an all-ages public workshop that's dedicated to hands-on learning. It's a creative and DIY space where people from the community can gather to build, learn, design, and grow, which is actually what the building in Building 61 stands for, build, learn, design, and grow. Pretty cool. I first learned about this space actually by accident. I was poking around on the library website, doing some research for another podcast episode, which is coming up pretty soon, and I just kind of happened on their page. What first caught my eye was that they offered classes in fiber arts, things like sewing on industrial sewing machines, spinning yarn, weaving, and screen printing. But when I arrived to do the interview, I actually felt really overwhelmed because rather than being greeted by a bunch of sewing machines and spinning wheels, all I saw were these big fancy machines and I had no idea what any of them were for. The space was so much more than I had expected, which is really cool, but also pretty intimidating. It was kind of like how I imagine a shop class to be, but maybe on steroids. But one reason I'm so excited about this episode and this space is that even while I initially felt really intimidated, after having a tour of the space and talking with Adam and Janet, I left feeling really inspired to sign up for a class and learn how to build so many different things, like maybe a jigsaw lamp with a laser cutter, or a cutting board on the CNC machine, or some 3D printed earrings, the possibilities really feel endless. And I really love how they make everything so accessible there without having to have any prior knowledge of what a CNC machine is. Some keywords I left the interview with are community, empowerment, and upcycling. But I'd love to hear what other keywords you come up with once you listen to this conversation that I had with Adam and Janet. Tell me about the makerspace. So this is the Boulder Public Library Makerspace. Um, it is Building 61, and it was funded by the Boulder Library Foundation uh, with a very generous grant that they provided us. And it is a public and community workshop for all ages, which means that everyone that has a library card for Boulder Public Library is unofficially a member of the space, even if you haven't been here. Uh, and we certainly do hope that you come to check it out. Um, but more or less, uh, you have access to our, um, a lot of our specialized um, and, and really remarkable equipment that we have here. Um, I'll let you yeah, that was not there's, a, <laughs> there's a really uh, awesome variety of tools that we have in the space. Everything from 3D printers to laser cutters to uh, CNC routers for cutting out a huge variety of equipment or uh, materials. Really, it's just a, a lot of fun to come in here and get inspired on the, the different types of projects that you can make. Yeah, yeah, so walking into this space, it is sort of intimidating to me because there's all these huge machines that I don't know what they do. Um, so what are some of the um, sort of beginner things that people could do on all these machines? 
So for any piece of specialized equipment, we are offering level zero programs. And that means that we're giving you a taste of the equipment without any prior experience whatsoever. Um, so if you see a level zero program on our online calendar, get signed up for it and come on in. You don't have to bring anything. Um, the class is free. The equipment and the materials are covered. Um, all of that is, that is at no charge to you. And you would basically get a taste tester of whatever that piece of equipment was. So for example, if we were doing stainless steel water bottle design on the laser cutter. Um, you would be able to just sign up for that level zero program and come in and we would teach you the skills um, using the computer, using computer design software um, to develop a creation of your own that you would then be able to send to the laser cutter and have that engraved on the water bottle and you'd be able to leave the class with your own custom water bottle. So those are things that we offer to try to get people hooked on specific equipment. And then we hope that they'll come back to a tool training for that equipment so that they can dive in a little bit deeper. And that's basically the first step to getting certified um, so that you can use the equipment independently. And so we do uh, spell out the, um, the structure for the space online, but that's essentially how it starts is come to a tool training um, or to a level zero program and that's a great place to get started. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. There, it's really cool to look around and see some of the examples that you have for each of the machines, um, you know, etched glasses and, yeah. um, you know, little like spacemen built on the 3D machine and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's inspirational to look around actually and see that for sure. And I'd imagine that's sort of part of the space's goal, I guess, to, to like sort of have that community aspect of, you know, I'm, I'm working on the spinning wheel, spinning some yarn, but then, you know, I, I kind of want to maybe learn how to make a wooden spoon too or yeah, something. Yeah, absolutely. We hope that that cross-pollination of ideas and inspiration spreads as we continue to work towards open hours and we see people using different pieces of equipment. And, you know, maybe you would see somebody doing something that never occurred to you um, to use the industrial sewing machine to, you know, make a certain kind of patch that's going to go on to, you know, whatever application it might be. Um, but those are all things that we are very excited about and we're already starting to see happen and, and we've really only been open for for three weeks so far. So it's really exciting to think about where this is going and, uh, and just the idea of, of the community being such an invested part of the space as well. So it's really here to reflect them. It's here to reflect um, the public's interest, what they want more of, we're going to deliver. So there are definitely ways that we can um, you know, listen to, to what people want to, uh, to see and uh, we'll do our best to make it happen. Yeah, yeah and it's such a great, um, space to be learning into not only for adults but also for kids because you know home ec and shop doesn't necessarily exist in almost all schools now um, right. so you know yeah. what a great way for kids to come in and be inspired by you know adults teaching the classes but also adults coming in and being like I never got to experience this yeah and there's this there's cross-pollination of learning that's happening across generations as well which is really exciting and I think that that's something that's very specific to this informal learning platform of being the public library and sort of expanding on and extending how we think about resources and what it means to provide access to information for our patrons it's not just books anymore it's absolutely about experiences it's about playing it's about learning something new and, uh, and I think that there's a real power behind that in terms of what we have the potential to do here. This idea of cross-pollination that she's talking about actually reminds me of something that I touched on in the first episode of this podcast. The idea that working as a community through that inspiration can create something better than what you would be able to do if you were just trying to do it on your own. 
So for instance, if I'm in the makerspace and I'm spinning away on my spinning wheel, spinning some yarn, and someone across the room from me is using the laser cutter and making a laser cut wallet, we could combine both of our products within that same space to create a better functioning product than our individual products. Rather than me having to learn how to work the laser cutter if I don't want to, and rather than that person having to learn how to spin their own yarn if they don't want to, we can collaborate and create something that's amazing and building community through that process. There's very little risk in coming in and exploring a new craft here in the space. I mean, if you just have the slightest interest in, in checking out um, weaving or uh, doing something on a 3D printer, it's, it's worth it to, to give it a shot because you may find that you have an amazing opportunity to either expand on your existing skills or you may discover that you want to make a project that requires those tools later on. So having the exposure to it is really, really helpful and important, I think. And a yeah. lot of the equipment is kind of expensive, and so it's not very feasible to, to buy this stuff yourself. Um, you know, for things like the laser cutter or the CNC router machine, um, those are not pieces of equipment that you see in, in traditional garages or yeah. shop spaces. So yeah, these for are sure. Really, these are really special um, and powerful tools, and, uh, and so we have the ability to to teach those skills uh, to the community. And so the idea of learning a trade skill at the library is actually possible. Um, expanding you know, what you can do in terms of, you know, if you're trying to find a job. Yeah, how cool would that be to say, I learned this at the library. I really love the emphasis on community and the fact that they're providing a way for people to learn a new skill or trade without having to commit to the time of money that a college course would require. I went to a trade college when I was living in Los Angeles for fashion merchandising, and it's definitely a big commitment. You have to think about setting the time aside to go to attend the classes, setting the money aside, setting the commute time aside, all of this stuff. Whereas if you can go to the library makerspace where it doesn't cost anything, you can go when it fits into your schedule and you have trained professionals still teaching you how to do that. What a great way to learn how to do something rather than upfront investing that time. You can still go to a more advanced class, but what a great way to kind of test the water rather than committing from the beginning. What a cool thing to put on the resume, <laughs> yeah. saying you've yeah. been doing 3D printing and cutting things with a laser. Yeah, like, I know, it's so right. true. Yeah, and, I mean, and even for experienced people, because, you know, earlier today I was on a tour of the space with you guys, and, um, you know, there was an older gentleman that's like, well, I'm already building my table, but I just kind of wanted to see what the CNC machine was all about, and mm -hmm. if it could help me, you know, however he was doing it. I don't, I don't know anything right. about that, but, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, even someone who could do it, you know, just in their garage and has some tools is definitely welcome to come and, and expand Absolutely. upon that, which is so cool. Yeah. And they might find that somebody else in the space gave them another idea on what else they could do with their tabletop design. And now they're going to put it in the laser cutter and they're going to engrave something onto it. And, you know, all of a sudden it becomes something even bigger than, than the original idea. And if you were, you know, in a siloed experience where you were just working in your own personal shop, um, assuming that you even had access to those tools in the first place, um, you know, the experience is not quite as rich. You're not going to have as many of those moments happen 
Um, and I think that that's something that we're really excited to cultivate and explore you know, the possibilities of how to partner with, with larger entities in Boulder as well to make this resonate even further and further and further and just have this maker movement impact a larger community and uh, more and more folks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely, Boulder has a lot to offer job-wise as far as like technology and, and a bunch of, you know, different things. But it's, it's so interesting to maybe envision, um, you know, workshops being held by, you know, leaders in different fields that are kind of based here. And Yeah, and we're um, absolutely looking for things like that too. So for people that have an area of expertise that might be somewhat specialized, like jewelry making or glass fusing or welding, you know, somebody that's really passionate about that and wants to teach those skills and is an expert, um, we want them here too. And if they can volunteer their their skill set and teach others, this is just going to become a more and more significant uh, statement that we continue to make here. Yeah, the community that we have available to us that has been appearing in the space has had some really incredible projects that they've been working on. and. It's really inspiring. Uh, you have these moments where someone comes in and, and tells you that they uh, can make telescope lenses or craft their own boomerangs. Uh, these are learnable skills. These are <laughs> things that not just existing in, in the realm of you know books. These people are in our community and around us. And yeah. The fact that the space draws them out and we can have these amazing Skillshare moments is yeah. really rewarding. Yeah, so as far as the materials and, and things like that are concerned, if you're taking a class, you can just show up with nothing like you said yeah, and the materials are provided. And then beyond that, how does it work? Yeah, beyond that, if you come to a guided practice after you've come to a tool training for a certain piece of equipment, then you would have access to um, you know, purchasing from us, uh, from a catalog of items that we have. You'd be able to buy materials like acrylics or water bottles, uh, stainless steel water bottles, plywoods. or plywoods, um, some very common materials. But if you had something really specific, like a set of pint glasses from home, and you wanted to get everybody's name engraved on them, and you why could, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you, you'll never look at anything the same way again after you see the laser I know, powder. I was looking around like, how many Christmas gifts can I make? <laughs> this is going to be yeah. next level uh, programming when, once we hit holiday season. But, um, but yes, absolutely. So if you had something specific like wine glasses or pine glasses at home that you wanted to engrave, we would absolutely encourage you to bring those in. And we just ask that we get a chance to take a look at the material before it goes into our machines, um, mostly for personal safety and equipment safety. And we just don't want anybody getting hurt with uh, you know, incorrect materials being used on certain pieces of equipment. So that's the only thing that we're really here to, to kind of um, vet as far as that part goes, but we certainly encourage people to bring their own projects once they've become uh, certified to use the equipment. For sure, yeah, and how is the certification, um, I guess, looking around at all of the big machines with lots of computer backing stuff yeah. is pretty intimidating. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the equipment is pretty heavy front-loaded stuff, which means a lot of it is design that you're doing on the computer and not really interfacing with the, the machine itself, but rather getting your design really dialed in on the front side of things first. And so that's all part of how we structure our classes and our tool trainings, where we give you the skill set and the access to the programs to, to learn how to do computer design and to learn kind of smart design techniques. And you learn things like sequencing and um, how, how best to go about setting your tool paths. 
um, you know, all sorts of specialized knowledge like that that comes along with the equipment. We don't expect anybody to learn that in one session or to, or to show up already knowing that. Um, that's stuff that we're going to build that knowledge with you and we're going to learn with you. Um, and so that's something where once you attend a tool training, uh, then you come back to guided practice and that's where Adam and I are here to basically do exactly that. We're here to answer your questions, to facilitate the process so that you can build your fluency using the equipment. And the great part about that is so many people come in with, with unique problems that is essentially a collaborative process of solving them. So as we do more of this, we're going to have solutions for a ton of different um, project ideas, uh, anything that comes up. Chances are someone else has encountered it and or we'll be able to share similar. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the more we can learn from each other, the better. Again, another reason why it's so powerful to have this as a community space. Um, we can we can all share that that knowledge base. Yeah, for sure. And you were saying that most, or at least some of the software is is you can sort of access that at home yeah. as well. Yeah. So we we want to offer uh, access to a, a wide variety of software. The cool thing about it is that a lot of these machines they'll work with the high end software that you'll find in college classes. So we have some of that going on here. But there's open source free versions of the same thing. So maybe they don't do quite as much. But it's a perfect way to get started so you can be at home working on it and then bring your project files in and we can just send it to the machine at that point. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, uh, great, so all of the information is on the website and there's calendars up there with all the different days and trainings. Yeah, yeah, and the calendar is going to be expanded on real soon so we're offering a huge range of classes that are going to be coming up in April and May and June and going into the summer we've got a whole bunch of workshops that we've got planned so there's lots to look forward to and if people want to be involved um, volunteering we're certainly excited about growing our arsenal of volunteers um, we certainly need them to help us run and manage the space and there's information about getting involved volunteering on the website as well and everything is at building61.org great and then for people who aren't in Boulder or in this area, are makers does, do makerspaces similar to this exist in other libraries that they could check out? Yeah, there's lots of libraries across the country that have makerspaces in them. They may not have the same equipment as us, but the ethos is the, the right one, essentially. Yes, so the maker movement is spreading, and it's spreading in libraries as well as schools and pretty much everywhere in between. Um, so you will see makerspaces that are membership-based, and those are really great as well because you get certain perks that come along with that, like 24-hour access to, to some of the equipment, and, and that's really exciting. Um, but with our space, we do think that it is breaking some new ground in terms of what libraries can offer and really rethinking what it means to be a library and, and the resources that we have available to our patrons. Yeah, that's so great. I know it's, it's fun to think about working on some of that open source platform stuff, you know, maybe, I don't know, here in the library before you uh, come down and work on it on the machine and yeah. stuff like that, you know, or even working on it at home. It's so great to think of how expansive this is into all of life. Yes, <laughs> and for it to be all ages. It's so, it's just really cool that we have the opportunity to, to play here. Yeah, yeah, and to sort of instill that sort of creativity yeah. and creative thinking, um, you know, outside of the box aspect, um, especially for the kids. Yeah, a lot of it is all about creative design and creative problem solving and um, the ability to have 
the, the tools and an opportunity to, to explore those areas is, is huge. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, it just kind of makes me think of like, you know, when you learn how to sew or something, there's a very definite way of like, okay, first you do this, second right. you do this, third you do this, mm -hmm. because you have to start somewhere. Sure. But then within that, there also is the indie movement of mm -hmm. people just designing patterns at home and being right. like, well, this is how it works for my pattern. So yeah. even if it doesn't yeah. necessarily line up with how everyone is taught, this is how it works for this. And I think that's one of the most exciting parts about being this about about this being an informal um, platform that we're yeah. that we're teaching in. Um, so we can take those different avenues, and we can provide many different uh, points of access for the same tool. You know, just everybody has a different learning style, mm -hmm. and um, and there there's so much that we can do and offer to people if we just open up what it looks like in terms of how we approach the problem and how we think about it. It's, it's all about the experience, you know, and the story of it. So yeah. it's one of the coolest things about this is having that narrative of coming in and saying, I want to make this thing, what happens next? Yeah, yeah how do I make this happen? That's the best part of the story is when you're ready to get into it and then you want to find that next step to make that thing even better, cooler, more fun. Yeah, or even how to make it in the first place. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. yeah. And, and learning about what different machines can do, you know, so like that drill thing that I don't know anything about <laughs> that I'm sure a lot of people have in their garages, you know, I don't, I have no exposure to that, so I'm like, I don't, I don't have any interest in learning that, but I'm sure once I heard things right. that you could do right. with it, I'd be like, of course I want yeah. to learn that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, can, you can make some really cool purses out of books and oh, using the drill press. <laughs> a lot of upcycling will definitely be happening here with, uh, with various materials. So yeah. We're always interested in getting ideas from, from other people too, so it's fun to, to think outside the box in that regard Yeah, well. for sure, yeah, and, and talk about like, not for any age, the product that you leave with, like feeling so like proud and, and it's really I, empowering. Yeah, yeah, and empowered, that's a great word for it, to just like leave and, and hold a tangible thing that you made mm -hmm. and designed. Yeah. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking time to talk with me today. Thank you so yeah, much. You. This was great. Yay. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Modern Domestique podcast. And a big thanks to Adam and Janet for the conversation today. To learn more about the Building 61 Makerspace, head over to the Modern Domestique website for links and more information. If you like the podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And please make sure to leave a rating or review so that other people can find this podcast too. As always, I'd love to hear your takeaways from today's episode, so please make sure to stay in touch on the website, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in, and have a very modern domestique day.